Hey, this is Jeremy Holland. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. That's the sound that leads to fun. It's almost like the little ding, ding, ding that the ice cream dude. When you heard the truck coming in the summer, that little, sometimes scary, bell-based tune that always predicated the, the ice cream truck. Did you guys have ice cream trucks? <laughs> I, mean, I, I grew up in the Soviet Union, yeah, of course. Well, you I never know. <laughs> you just never know. Yes. Dive underneath the barbed wire and get me some ice cream, please. I don't want dirt in it when you come back either. I'm a scooze. Right. Hey everybody! I'm going to be in Italy saying I'm a scooze for you. I'm going to be there doing it. I'm going to be there the, week, the year after. Yeah, I know. Wh- wh- where are your peoples from? Uh, I, I'll tell you in a little while after. We, oh my god! Okay. After we say hey everybody, welcome to Eleven O'clock Comics, episode eight hundred and thirty-nine. I'm Sicilian Vince B. <gasps> yeah, I'm from the I island. I am the Mutt David A. Price. I will not be in Sicily, but I am still Jack Ryan. Oh, you're not Jack Ryan, yo. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Together. Tall enough to be. Is he tall? John Krasinski. John Krasinski's tall, yeah. Yeah. I'm making that face. You just can't see it. Is he tall? Yeah. Is he tall? (laughs) I'm tall as fuck, but I, I, John Krasinski is too, I think. You are. Yes, yes. And it's a tall, tall order to thank each and every one of oh. our patrons, but we're going to try it because they are the ones that make this happen each and every month. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one one, no apostrophe. It's getting hot, yo. Audio, video, downloads of classic fanzines. You got a page a day. You got a duck a day now. Um, Love the duck a day. Ad, yeah, I oh, that, it's it's a phenomenal extra. It, it, I, I I love the ad, but now I have to because when I whenever you do the tags, it you know it starts to autofill, and for the longest time I would just do EOC space D and hit the little down arrow, but now I have to actually do the DA. Oh, Otherwise, sorry. I have my option. Of, it, it, it's all good, but I love it. I build the tags into my copy, so I have a text file with all of the the whatever a days and right after it if there's very specific things i want to tag i just build them into the the text that i paste oh yeah yeah look at you but anyway um so we have this new thing it's a duck a day where you will be greeted by a classic comic book cover featuring uh, a duck and it's not limited to disney ducks so there are many from which to choose destroyer duck howard the yeah it's gonna it's gonna be fun a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Uh, so if you would like, to, and don't forget, whew, we almost forgot the best part, the dedicated Slack channel where all of us gather each and every day to talk about mm, pretty much everything because we're family and that's how family do. So go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around like Popeye on the deck. Mm. And if you like what you see, jump in the water. It's okay if you can't swim. Jason will go in after you. Pretty good swimmer. I am too. Michael, David Hasselhoff over here. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, John. That fucking movie. You're a dick. (laughs) John Krasinski is uh, is six foot three, just like your boy. Wow. 
He's a little bit better shaped than me, though. He's no, not. No, as... no, man. I don't know. At, no, at least no, in Jack Pike... Ryan. No, in Jack Ryan. My man I is. Know, my I man, know. It, yeah. It's dude. The, it really does. I know we talk. It may. It amazes me. These guys like. They're just average dudes with average bodies making these sitcoms, making these comedy mm. movies, getting paid. Then they like decide they're gonna do like a, a you know a, like a, a dramatic or a or a comic thing, Action and you just get or... fucking yoked. Like yeah, because like, they can hire people to help them get oh, there. Oh no, I know. But That's still, the whole dude, thing. That one of the still, best. No, but dude, the... like I know that of course we, everyone like, and I've said it too. Like oh, if I if I didn't have to, but like it still takes a like discipline and and focus yeah. it's like it ain't like, like it is not easy to go especially if you i mean i can't speak for some of the people out there but like you know i didn't grow up i wasn't a you know i wasn't a and uh i wasn't an athlete growing up so like i i ran and like i went to the gym and stuff but i never was in like crazy great shape because i wasn't an athlete and then like to try and like take that kind of a body that's got literally decades of 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 non-elite conditioning and become that and i'm talking about these guys with like i mean they look like they're superheroes right i mean they have eight packs they have no zero fat like that is freaking hard dude and i yes i understand that it's like their job and they have people helping them but like it's still crazy impressive as someone who has been busting their ass now for two years trying to you know get in, in better and better shape like it's just in, unconscionable to me when i see these dudes like john krasinski turn to go from being like you know just a schleppy you know, average-looking dude to being built like fucking Captain America. It's crazy. Well, I was going to say uh, you're better looking than him, but whatever. I appreciate that. It's not true, but I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> he's living but, a charmed life. He's rich. He's he's married to Emily Blunt. I mean, uh-huh. things could be worse. Yeah, she's a cutie. Yeah. And that accent, too. Yep. Let's just shimmy on over to the drink roll call because I have okay. three trifecta. Wow. I'm starting... No, I'm start. Man, did I step on your dick today? What's the deal? Um, no, but you said you wanted to. You, you wanted to make me smile, so I, I take. I'm smiling from from from. <laughs> I have uh, from Dogfish Head. I'm starting with the Pilsner because I'm not stupid this time. From Dogfish Head, it's the Unora Pilsner, right? Then I have from Southern Tier. It's the New Haze. Hazy Smooth IPA. Oh, shit. And last up, from Sierra Nevada, it's Celebration, the Fresh Hop IPA. Does it have uh, Cool and the Gang on the cover? Or on the um, it, it does have a log cabin with, it looks like a snowed-in log cabin, but they could... I don't know could, what that's to do with Cool and the Gang, but... No, but they could be inside the cabin celebrating good times. I went to uh, elementary school with Cool's daughter. He said... It's weird, right? Yeah, kinda, a little bit. Yeah. So there's my there's my uh, trifecta of uh, delicious brews. Okay. Well, uh, the you know I got to tip my cap to the wife. You know, always, and, uh, always, yeah. As uh, as you guys know, the the Eagles fell ever so short of the Super Bowl. I felt bad for you. <sighs> yeah, it was it was a struggle, a struggle, but um, wifey. Did went out of her way to uh to make Super Bowl Sunday a good time, all kinds of snacks, all kinds of foods, all kinds of, and she she bought the beverages. So um you know I don't, I don't drink that much these days. So we got lots of beverages left over. So she was like, you should uh you should have a couple of these. You know, relax a little bit when you're doing the show. So um it's been a while, but folks, the claw is back. Oh, the God. claw's the law. <laughs> yes. 
I have I have two cans of White Claw hard seltzer watermelon flavored, ready to be drank. Nice. <laughs> ah, love uh, the road to hell is paved with White Claw. Tea. Yeah. What do you have, Dap? Uh, I am enjoying a very, very delicious gin and tonic with uh, Empress 1908 Indigo Gin. Um, gin colored with butterfly pea flower. Butterfly what? pea? Um, but wait, do they pee? And if, if so, how do they catch it? Oh, P-E-A. <sighs> oh, I yeah, thought you said butterfly yeah. pea. No, okay. butterfly P-E-A flower. Oh, okay. Uh, but yes, it is, it's, it's a very tasty gin on its own with tonic. It just, um, it's normally you get a gin and tonic, Hendrix, Tanqueray or whatever. And, and they have to kind of like, you know, add the citrus to make it a little bit more palatable. Nothing here. This is just, this is just the indigo gin and store-bought tonic and it's chef's kiss. Nice. Nice. That's pretty awesome. How often would you say you drink old fashions, Dad? Oh, um, not as often as I used to. Um, maybe, maybe once a month, a couple times, yeah, maybe, maybe twice, because I, I can have it with the Bartesian. I'll sometimes get it when we're out, but, um, yeah, it used to be something that I'd get maybe, if not once a week, at least maybe almost three times a month. Now, now I can go a few weeks without having one. Okay. There you go. Well, before we get to talking about comics, I got to thank some people. I got mm-hmm. a little. And I've been negligent in doing this for weeks. So, you know, not a huge list, but it's not a small list either. So I won't be specific. All these people know that I love them, and I thank them very much for whatever it was that got their names on this list. And, um, yeah, my heart beats for you. Arnie, Brian Newberry, Bill Dowdy, Chris Revikant, and John Pasalacqua. Yes, huge, huge hugs for all y'all. I mean, there's things uh... that are going back in another direction. But um, for the most part, yes, thank you all. Love it. I um, I'll I'll add on to uh, the John Paslock will love and um, and I will also uh, give a shout out to uh, Mr. David Milburn. What what? He's a good man. They all are. This is true. Yeah. Comics. Comics. We have shared love interest comics. Let's get there. Let's talk about them. We've been known to to dabble here or there in the comics. Yeah, yeah. It was a great week. You know what? Go ahead. No. What do you want to talk about? I was going to say, I'm going to start us off because the reason I asked Dap about the old-fashioned is I know Dap loves himself an old-fashioned occasionally. Yes. And the creator of the book that I was most excited to read this week is himself a bit of a mixologist. Mm-hmm. He's I also understand. a longtime friend of the show, someone we adore seeing pretty much at every con we ever attend. An incredibly talented gentleman. Tony? By the name. Well, Tony would fit the bill, yes, but this is not Tony. Um, this is Jeremy Hahn. 
Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, we and know And the Jeremy. book in question is Hauntology, which, nice. as far as names go for books, that's about as perfect a name as ever. Why? Because when you read it at first, you think Hauntology, because it is, in fact, a horror anthology. But it's not just haunt like Haunted House. It's Jeremy fucking Haunt. So it's Hauntology. It's his anthology. It's like... It's kismet. It's ridiculous. It's like he was destined to make this book because of his last name. Um, this was a Kickstarter. I don't believe it has been solicited yet through a publisher, although I am sure that's coming because Jeremy is a uh, prolific creator and uh, has relationships at Image and Dark Horse and Boom. So I, I, I have no doubt that uh, it will be solicited soon. So that's uh, so, which is good because. Nothing's worse than telling all about a Kickstarter book that you then can't buy and read yourselves. Um, but yeah, so it came maybe a week ago. And uh, at first I was like, oh, I'll just save this because I, I mean, I obviously I knew it was a horror anthology. And I thought, well, I'll just wait until like we get towards uh, the fall, you know, when I when I gear up the the October month long horror deluge that I always do. But then I thought, nah, fuck it. Like it's Jeremy's book. Like I, I, I want to see what it's about. Um, so I just dove, I just dove in, and it is phenomenal. Um, I love everything about the book. First of all, it's so well produced. It is a hardcover with uh, a, a. It's got the little, um, you know, the little, uh, what's the I can't the ribbon. I always forget that ter- that term. It's got the little red silk ribbon to help you uh, keep your page, and the cover. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the cover is uh, it's basically a, a Cthulhu looking person but it's jeremy it's jeremy as cthulhu he's got the hat he's got on. the yeah. got the hat yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 so it's so it's such a well-designed logo um and the intro is terrific it's one of the most heartfelt intros i can ever remember reading um and i think part of it is because we know jeremy personally so he talked about how essentially this project was born like many during the pandemic um He's he said how he's he kind of talked about his journey in comics, how he's been fortunate. You know, he was a, a regular working artist, as we know, for a long time. And he took the leap in, I think, 20, 2015, 2016 to start writing as well, because he thought that, that was vital to his being able to tell the stories that were in his head, because uh, it was hard to hire someone to, you know, to, to write his stories. And it worked out and that um, and that when the pandemic happened and the industry shut down, it basically was devastating for a lot of his peers and friends. And he felt very fortunate because he had two projects that continued to pace that were being paid for. I think one at Comixology and one at Boom. But it was still, as we all know, I mean, we all lived through it, was was an incredibly um, trying time with lots of neurosis and stress. And we all came together in weird ways, but even though we were apart. And he just talks about all of this in the journey and how that for him – He's only ever happy when he's creating and that uh, um, he found himself at a point where he was just really low and he basically said, I just have to create. And he sat down and he made what was effectively a three page story in about a week. It just was in his head. He came, wrote down, drew it, drew it. and it ended up being um, the first story we get in, in this anthology. And that just kind of set this in motion where before he knew it, he was doing these little sometimes one page, sometimes five page, uh, little horror joints. And Abe said, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be this, this idea has legs. I'm going to, I'm going to make a book out of it. 
And and that's what it is. And while on the surface it's easy to describe it as just a a, a horror anthology written and drawn by Jeremy Hahn, there's so much more there because um, it's definitely of its time. Like a lot of the stories play on the kinds of things that we collectively were dealing with during the pandemic: isolation, um, trying to be satisfied through buying lots of shit online, trying to be satisfied by maybe drinking more than you used to or, uh, or becoming a recluse or, you know, it's just the, the different things we all found ourselves dealing with that we maybe never had before. And he tells these little twilight zone esque anecdotal stories with those kinds of ideas, but he puts horror twists on them. So like the reason I asked that about the old fashioned is one of the stories is called old fashioned and it is, uh, a close-up of a guy, his hands making uh, two old fashions, and he's talking about uh, why, what makes his what makes a good old fashioned. He basically says, "I love all kinds of old fashions, to be honest, but but for me, a perfect old fashioned." He talks about how, um, uh, and keep in mind, I've never had old fashions, so I don't I don't know what they taste like. Um, but he's like he's talking about how, um, oh, you know, some people like to put sugar in it, but I say fuck that. Like a good simple syrup is will do, and you know, and then and then he's like, um, for for me, my uh, you know my 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 little secret is a few drops of uh, of Laprog, uh because it adds smokiness, and I like a big ice cube, and like it's showing him making these old fashions and talking about what makes for him his favorite and how he he, he takes the the orange peel and he zests the you know gets the the oils out and so forth so on. And he's making these old fashions, and then he says, uh, "And here you go." And he hands the other old fashioned to a guy who's who's someone laying on the ground dying from a gunshot wound that this guy was, you know, assass- like assassinated him. And it's just like these little, but like the cool thing about that, particularly because we know Jeremy is he loves fucking old fashions. He loves making drinks. So like it is, it's like he took all these things about himself that that he, that are true, and he turned them into these little horror vignettes. Like Jeremy loves. Uh, he owns a lot of real estate. He loves old, creepy buildings. He some, he buys them. He he refurbishes them. He just adores old buildings. So like, there's there's stories where Jeremy. It's actually Jeremy. He's drawing himself walking through these buildings, and shit happens. You know, there's he draws his wife in some of the stories. He draws his son in one of the stories. Like, there's a story where um, Jeremy wakes up and it's a, he doesn't know what day it is because that, that was how it was in the pandemic, right? You didn't know what day it was. And he's his he's like, oh, can I he goes downstairs? His son's in the kitchen. He's like, can I make you some breakfast? And his son's like, you mean lunch? Jeremy's like, yeah, yeah. And they make, you know, makes breakfast. He's like, and his son says, dad, can we go out on the porch and, and, and watch uh, while we eat? And he says, sure, I'll be right there. And then uh, and then Jeremy's like thinking about it and he sees a bottle of whiskey and he's like, oh, why not? And he puts some in his coffee cup and walks out. And it's like these are the things people were dealing with during the pandemic. But when they go out on the porch, they're not like people watching. They go out on the porch and they look out into the sky and there's all these kaiju and like the world's pretty much ending and it's like just these little like it's just these fun like like real moments that tie in jeremy's real passions and neuroses and the stuff we all dealt with during the pandemic but then turned into these really clever uh horror and sci-fi vignettes it's just wonderful everything about it is wonderful uh, it's all black and white. Like I said, he he did everything artistically with the book, and I just I think it looks great. It, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a really like he found some nice balance with like it's a loose style, um, but but definitely gets the job done. Uh, he spots a lot of blacks in this book. Uh, I'd love to see him do more black and white work, frank, frankly. After this, um, so I just thought it was terrific, and it'll be real hard to beat for my favorite anthology this year because I just thought it was a home run, you know. Every story I thought was was well done, and he gets in and he gets out. Like none of the stories are, 
you know, sometimes when you read an anthology, like there'll be the one pagers, the two pagers, but then there'll be like a 30 pager in there, you know, and you're like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. This isn't like that, man. It's like every idea, get in, get out, you know, just move on to the next thing. And I, I just thought it was so well done, so well crafted and so personal. Um, I don't know that a lot of people buying it, reading it will maybe even get the personal aspects of it if you don't know Jeremy personally, but like we do. But if you do know him or or and he's a very I think he's very open about these things, I, I, I think it, it makes it all the richer. So I just thought it was a home run on all levels. In fact, I, I mean to uh, this week to uh, to ping him personally and, and let him know how much I thought it was it was, you know, maybe the best work of his career so far. So so uh, huge thumbs up to Hauntology. And, and if you didn't you didn't back the Kickstarter uh, I don't think you can get the book right this second, but uh, but like I said, I would be shocked if in the coming months it's not solicited uh, for broader release. And I, just, I know he'll. Um, I'm sorry, he'll. No doubt he'll have it also um, for sale at his tables. At oh yeah, and like and like we said, he he goes to a shit ton of cons. He is a yeah. regular on the con circuit, as is his wife. Uh, uh, yep. So yeah. I just want to know why we didn't get the alert that you backed this Kickstarter because usually you back friggin' everything and I get like emails all the time. Jason Wood back this, David Price back that. Like, how come I didn't, I wasn't aware of this until like right now? I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I, I think I don't have any control over if you, I guess if you follow me, right, you get the alert. So yeah. I, I don't know why you didn't. I just got one from you yesterday before I saw the, the post from Tony on the, on the Slack. And then yeah. I, once I saw his post, I was like, okay, I need to back this. So this was um, this was backed in. Uh, no, it's, it's no. I'm looking here. It was back. I backed it in. Hold on, let me click on the. Because uh, I think he might have had it at. at uh, I know I've seen it on his table. Huh. I don't know. You might have seen the the like the. The ash can because the he, the book just came, like it literally just came back from the printers like a couple weeks ago and he mailed them out because but uh it was this was early it was uh, early 2021 so it was this hmm. was like a year into the pandemic that he uh he he made this campaign so we're, we're like a year and a half this is a year and a half uh, in the making oh, interesting well i'm on it first time i see him in the flesh so to speak i'm gonna scoop it because you know he's gonna have him like that said oh yeah for sure for sure nice it's 144 pages, I should say. It's well. a respectable size. Mm-hmm. It's not DAP size, but it's a respectable size, right? Mm-hmm. 24 oh. stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to explode. You better. I am going to. It's a good thing I'm on the tile because I'm literally overflowing with love for these books that I read. And you can blame two people. Point the finger at Brian Newberry and Bill Dowdy. Because um, heretofore, or previous to their involvement in my life recently, uh, we've made fun of Bad Idea, right? Right? Because I think the, the main reason why we tend to poke a little fun at them is because I think their corporate bullshit, their, their hijinks overshadow their books. Like without ha- not having read the the newer books i we looked at bad idea at new york comic con and all you saw was the sea of signs that people were carrying around right and and the the goofy stuff like they'll give you a little award i think it's a pin or a sticker if you're the first one to your comic shop to get their books and then you can you can trade i guess things in for other things and there's just too much 
um, chasing the carrot on the stick where a bad idea is concerned. But that's not all they're about. Because I've read, I have a bad idea, Olorama, because I read three titles, two of which I'll go into detail on for this week. And they were all, to a book, phenomenal books. And I'm thinking, I think they're doing themselves a disservice, Dinesh and company, by doing all these jump through hoops, take a picture of yourself with your book and put it on social media. Like, I get it. It's the age of social media and advertising's free if you get people to do it for you. But it just seems like all that stuff, that big sticky ball of of non-comic stuff that they engage in is casting a dark shadow over the actual art itself, which is, like I said, phenomenal. You guys hearing me? Of course we are. Very much so. So this book that I want to talk about first, I'll, I'll ease into it because the one uh, that will come later in the show just was slightly, well, a little bit more than slightly better than this one. But this book was fantastic. You know who it's written by, Jason? Your buddy, Matt Kent. Oh, yeah, my boy. Excuse and me. it's illustrated by Ramon Villalobos with color art by Tamra Bonvillan. They're all terrible, two issues of which have been published to date. And the reason why, uh, aside from the fact that it's written by Matt Kent, Jason's going to love it because it's a getting the band together ah. series. Okay, you're, you're two for two so far. All right, let's keep going. Okay. They're both fantasy-based. So I don't know if that's going to be a deterrent for you. But the premise is the dust is settling on this great and terrible war. It was called the War of the Ringed Throne. And it was touch and go for a, for a, a stretch. But the heroes of the war, the, the actual people that turned the tide away from evil, are known as the Bloody Mourners. And they're led by a, a, a dude named Captain Mar. So... They're feeling some kind of way after the, the, the war's over. And like they, they wonder if all their efforts were for naught. We shifted the tide. We swung the battle. We stopped the Dark Elves from entering the fray. Because if they did, if the Dark Elves entered the fray, they would definitely have tipped the scales towards evil. But they didn't because we stepped up. And we murdered one of their children in cold blood in the middle of the street in broad daylight. And they're like, oh, shit, we better not enter this battle because worse things will happen. Um, so Captain Marr and the Bloody Mourners, they're not squeaky clean people by any means. <laughs> uh, so in the aftermath of the war, Captain Marr, he rallies the troops. He's getting the Bloody Mourners all lathered up and he's like yeah we're gonna take what we're owed man we we're gonna assault the fabled village of clouds it's this massive um very opulent wealthy uh city that's perched atop a massive dungeon and the source of their wealth is kept in this locked up at the base of the, the dungeon underneath the city. Uh, epic proportions, their wealth. And Captain Mars like, they've known peace for so long. They've gone soft, right? They're ripe for the taking. Let's do this. Let's plan for war. 
But little does Captain Marr know, but there's a spy in the Bloody Mourners ranks, uh, a man named Espion, who actually lives in the Village of Clouds. And he rushes back to the city leaders and, and he you know, lets them know what's going on. And, he, and they grant him unlimited wealth to rally a team strong enough and experienced enough to defeat the Bloody Mourners. And the members of said team are Kral. It's this hulking man with a, a metal plate in his skull and an enchanted hand that's impervious to steel. At one point in the in the first, I think it's the first issue, he catches a blade swung at him and it does nothing to his hands, absolutely nothing. Um, there's a brutal, fiery-maned Amazon warrior named Aura who does not care if she's naked in the presence of opposite sexes. Um, and it appears, well, it doesn't appear, it's, it's pretty uh, well stated that she and Kral have some uh, shared, let's just say, experiences, right? You got Frank, the Gilded Wizard, and it's not F-R-A-N-K, it's F-R-A-N-Q-U-E. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, the Gilded Wizard, who was a shitty, never was wizard to begin with, and his reputation outstrips the reality of the situation. He's, a, he's an illusionist. He's not all that powerful. But um, they need a wizard, and uh, he he kind of uh, overstates his importance to the the group, and his uh, he's got a wisecracking demon familiar that's like you suck, dude. Like tell them the fucking truth. But the party just doesn't pay attention because they need a wizard. Um, there's a mute member of the deadly rapt assassins who are trained in the art of survival and killing from early childhood. You got a bon vivant corsair who swashbuckles his way out of a nasty situation at sea. He, he blows a dude in half with a cannon unintentionally. Like he's smoking a cigarette and he's just, he's a little limp in the wrist. He's flamboyant, let's just say. And he just tilts his arm down and a, a hot ember from his cigarette lands on the fuse of this cannon and blows this dude in half, right? And there's, last but not least, there's a young schoolgirl who is definitely more than she seems, right? So, so while Espion is marshalling his forces to protect Cloud Village, Captain Marr bolsters the ranks of the Bloody Mourners as well. So he goes around, uh, he adds a menagerie of flying beasts to the, to the troops. He even has a pair of subjugated colossi. Giant change and these these two things they're they're weepy and they're, but they're under his command and uh, so so Espion arrives at Cloud Village with his troops right brings the team in and they're treated like kings and after they feasted the group sans Espion because he's a, a member of this city they away to their community sleeping area and this is at the end of issue two. Uh, and they're, they're just all about to turn in, right, when they all look at each other and Kral asks a question to the group. And he's like, just so we're all on the same page here, we are all planning to rob this place fucking blind and get the hell out of Dodge before the shit hits the fan, right? And they're all like, yes. <laughs> and that's where the second issue ends. It's crazy. It is absolutely insane. I wanted to, to, to let that out there, to free it, because 
I think it's a really important hook that you need to know because there's probably going to be two other issues after this. So it it was just wonderful. Like you'd never saw it coming. Yes, I spoiled it, but it's for your own damn good. Um, the art by Via Lobos is somewhere between Chris Burnham and um, it's very Burnham-esque, but it's also All-Star Superman. Okay. Yeah, it used to be very frank. Yeah, yeah. It it it, it looks in that same visual uh, nesting place. Because uh, de- Nighthawk work was very much like that. Yeah, detailed as freaking hell, and the book is disturbingly violent. I did not reveal all of the fun in the first two issues. There's things that there are a lot of surprises for you to feast upon, uh, but it's not just. Uh, stab move on body parts get cut off heads are flying uh it is really really wet so uh if you like fantasy and you love heavy metal the book is heavy metal as fuck um get yourself they're all terrible because pretty much they are with the exception of espion everybody in this book is pretty terrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) i I thought it was great Uh, but the, the thing about bad idea is the books have weight. They are more expensive. Oh, did I? No, I didn't. That's on the other one. They are more expensive. I think these were seven ninety nine an issue or six ninety nine an issue. But when you hold one in your hands, it feels much heavier than your average comic. It has weight, and therefore, to me, the the covers are of thicker stock. They seem to have um, a lot of money in spot varnish because. Everything, bad idea, has a ton of spot varnish on both the front and the back covers. Uh, paper's beautiful quality. I mean, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. The product itself is of very high production standards. Yeah. I thought it was, it was pitch perfect. I loved every page of it. And there's uh, extra stories in the back called B-sides that were wonderful as well. Right. Really good stuff. And um, so different. Uh, but I'll continue this discussion later on because I have another bad idea book I want to talk about. But they're all ter- terrible. One and two was phenomenal. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Ramon Villalobos is another member of Team Felix. Yeah. Right. Yes. And I'll tell you, I, I'm just saying it because you know I'll never part with the money. But um, some of these pages are worth hanging on your wall there's one panel when when um captain mar is recalling the events of the war and there's a fucking giant beating the shit out of a dragon and and massive troops underneath the feet of these creatures just throwing crap at each other and killing it's a it's a beautiful looking book the only thing that gets me a little worked up is if it wasn't for the promotional images that bad idea sent out I wouldn't have anything to show in in the uh, gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they don't do digital. No. Prop, props to them, right? That, that, good for them. Uh, they don't do trades, which is a little weird. Uh, I like the fact that I have to go to a comic shop to get the single issues, but I would think like maybe a year down the line, put a trade out. Y- you've made the money on the singles. 
buy a year. If they people didn't buy it in a year, they probably weren't going to. Right? Did they recently have a Kickstarter for some of the? the I think they did finally. Yeah. I think they did. Uh, well, like the, uh, the 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 Latham stuff. Cool. Well, that's good because I'll be on that. But uh, for the most part, I haven't seen any trades. Um, and and Dave at Comics on the Green is very complimentary of them. He's like, yeah, they do right by us all the time. They're they're very um, generous with their discounts, and the books are always here when they say they're going to be here, and they they come in in perfect condition. And they, I mean, it's it seems to be profitable to him, and I'm guessing them. So great, but uh, yeah, this was just crazy good. And I'm That's stupid. Awesome. I'm stupid because when we had Brian on for the the eleven o'clock, because he was talking about Pirate Queen, and we're all just like, eh, yeah, it's, it's so good. <laughs> and I looked at the art for Pirate Queen, and it looks great. So it's like, oh, silly me. I should have. I should have done. I should have investigated more closely. I mean, honestly, it, it, based on their pedigree and and their resumes it it's not surprising that they know how to run a company it's almost like the anti original founders for for image it's like they were great at drawing books but you know getting them out was another story these guys actually know what in what what is involved when it comes to publishing books and and uh, so as far as that aspect of what they can do we shouldn't doubt them but again the whole their the sh- concept, the gimmick, yeah. is what is 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 causes the eye rolls. I think the shenanigans are shitty. I do. Right. Yeah. But I, mean, I guess people love it. But you, I mean, hey, but but we're talking about. Them. Yeah, they actually have like a leaderboard. If you jump through all these hoops that they they say do this and do that and social media this and and promote that, if you do all these things, you get your name on the board and the more you do you can rise up on the leaderboard like it's just weird i don't play no i don't play games i just want mm-hmm. the art just give me the art the beautiful well I, sh- I think i mean we have i mean listen we have them on the show i, I think mm-hmm. i think i think he's he lives for the games and listen dude's got the money more power yeah. for him, right? I, mean- I, I gotta say valiant was never better uh creatively than when dinesh was no um, listen agreed like you just said, the 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 quality of these books, the quality of the production of the books, by all accounts, are top notch. I'm with you. I personally believe, and and listen, Dinesh is, is a millionaire many times over, so what it will, I don't think he needs to take advice from me. But I personally believe that if he's genuinely interested in getting these books by these great creators seen and read by people who love comics i genuinely believe is going about it in a completely wrong way but but that that is neither here nor there the point is judging it on the art itself they're good i don't even know if you, you you reminded me i don't even because of the timing of it and the um the because i know it was right around the acloskers and stuff um brian I, by the way at, at this it, i guess we're just dap should be waiting for a, a bad idea package from brian because brian sent me uh, in the begin- beginning of the year, he sent me Odin's Eye, yeah, the miniseries, right. and um, you know, and, and, and full disclosure, it didn't it didn't really click with me. Right. I, I, you know, but um, but but to your point, it, it the production is impeccable. I mean, hard hard, uh, you know, very thick cardstock cover, glossy paper. Uh, Josh Dysart did the writing, but Thomas Giarello does incredibly 
beautiful. Yep. I mean, his work. Speaking of Valiant, right? I mean, he was he was great in Valiant as well. He did he did a lot of uh, stuff when when Dinesh went Valiant, but the book looked great. Just didn't cook with me. But but I mean, I but the production value and the and the and the quality of the creators is. is you, you can't you can't front on that. Right. It, that that's that's without reproach. Beyond um, in our discussions this week, Brian told me to tell you to make sure you send me that Odin, Odin's eye. Yeah, you yeah, absolutely. They're all they're all yours. Yeah, there you go. So I'm I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a pause on the bad idea till a little later. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see what I did there, but I'll remember it. Yes, sir. <laughs> so stupid. Right. <laughs> there was um everything I read earlier in the week until the past day or two. Um, they were all third issues, except for one thing that was a first issue. Um, I was kind of in the mood to just catch up on a couple of things and um and see how they're going. And uh, one of them is the third issue of uh, Miles Morales Spider Man, and it's uh. Still written by Cody Ziegler. Still, everybody okay over there? I think Vince is spilling bottles, but yeah. Yes, and dancing in his seat. Uh, still <laughs> drawn by... Uh, oh, no. It's okay. Sorry. Uh, Federico uh, Vicentini. And it, it, picking up... Where from the previous issue, when this when this relaunch started, um, Miles was uh, just kind of feeling some kind of way. He kind of uh, he didn't snap back at his teacher, but he he definitely um, said something that caused the rest of the class to go ooh, and and uh, so therefore he was kind of told to go home for a few days and uh, suspended. And and he's kind of not really. Um, it, it's he's not. Giving Ganky his full attention and and letting him know, you know, everything that's going on in his mind. He's just he, he's at the point I think right now in his life where he's just trying to. There are some things where he's just trying to figure out on his own, and maybe kind of just not um, either be so dependent or be so um, available, maybe to the people that uh, have been kind of depending on him. But he, um, it's there's what we got in this issue is um kind of the the origin of a new um nemesis for miles and it all ties into uh the lottery that miles won that got him into um brooklyn divisions academy and this this young lady uh who we saw in the first issue who we thought you know was all very um kind and 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 giving generous considerate um maybe not so much because she's feeling neglected and entitled and um perfect mix for 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 somebody who uh wants to take their anger out on the world but uh one of miles's acquaintances one of his friends one of his uh superhero buddies is uh is is a uh, young lady called starling who is actually her name her her alter ego is um tiana tombs who i don't know much about her because i haven't gone through the entire the entire the name of the previous is a big tale though right right exactly and because of the whole bird motif i am 
it because of how old Adrian is, I'm going to guess maybe granddaughter or grandniece. But uh, this young woman was abducted by the uh, this new character, and I'll, I'll instead of the tease because she finally reveals her name at the uh, at, at at the end of this third issue. She, she's going by the rabble, um, and and she does her whole monologue and and. Um, and she actually knows that She's granddaughter, Miles by the way. is. Thank you. Um, Rabble knows that Miles is Spider Man, and and she also knows that uh, basically who Miles's friends are. Um, so she, when Miles asks her, you know, who, who are you? She's like, I'm the one who's left behind by the discarded accumulation. The discarded accumulation. Accumulation. Of all my parents' wildest hopes and dreams, a scarred idea of hope, an opportunity for a better future tossed aside for another. I am the one lost among the scramble, another body lost to the rabble. So that's her big introduction. But, um, you know, her, her life started off well enough. Her parents um, immigrated from, from Jordan to Brooklyn. Um, Pops ran a... a a shop and you know she worked there but she was always really good with uh, she had a gift to um basically uh she has a magic touch when it comes to electronics uh there's one panel where um the uh the cash register seems to be busted and and she's like yeah you know he, the dad's like let me call my fixer and and it comes you know little little girl and uh basically she like touches the machine and and everything's back to um to working again uh and and so mom falls ill she doesn't recover um dad you know she comes home dad's like you know running we're going to put your gifts to, to some real real use and um we're gonna get you a spot and and see if you you know, win this chance at uh, to get into Brooklyn Visions Academy, and and she was number forty one. Miles is number forty two. Forty two was picked, and now of course she's feeling all sorts of pissed off and angry at the world, and especially pissed off at the dude who took her spot, the spot that you know, she felt that was owed to her. Um, Sounds like a her problem, not a Miles problem. Seriously, and and you know it's almost. It's almost kind of like you know you know where she's leaning on the political spectrum, but you have she's <laughs> she's got uh, she's a young woman of color. I don't think she's I, no. You're right. You're right yeah. in that spot. Um, but she, uh, she, she so she's kidnapped Starling and uh, she's basically given her whole spiel to uh, Tombs while Miles and Misty Knight are trying to take down Scorpion from from the previous issue and. Miles and Misty work really well together. Uh, great banter. Quips are fast and furious. Scorpion is uh, is is kind of powered up a bit, but um, Misty saves the day by by pulling out some massive weapon at, uh, based in the warehouse they were all fighting in. Um, took Scorpion out. Agent Gao shows up again. She's the one who who threatened to take Spider Man to prison if uh, you know he shows his face again. Um, and th- there's a neat little exchange because Gal was like, um, yeah, I-, I don't think I need to remind you, meaning Misty, uh, which one of us has legitimate 
jurisdiction over actual crimes. And Misty bites back with, but maybe I do need to remind you which of us has Mayor Cage's number on speed dial, which shuts Gao down real quick. Um, and and Gao, of course, threatens Spidey's by saying, I'm going to be watching you. Um, so after Miles leaves Misty, he um, he gets a call from Genki, and he's like, um, you know, Miles tell him, I, I, I can't talk now. I got to get back home. Genki's like, yo, I need your help. They're getting closer, being all cryptic. And and Miles is trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, listen, I, I dropped a pin. Here's my location. Come get to me as quick as you can. Shows up at a rooftop looking for Genki. Uh, spider sense goes off, and he gets attacked by uh, by Rabble. And, and she's got these drones, and they're flying and firing at Miles. And he's dipping and dodging and doing everything he can to get away. Gets knocked down. That's when Rabble reveals herself, does her whole little spiel, and and, and that's the end of the issue. So um, it was a really fast-paced issue. So much action between, uh, I mean, not so much at the start with uh, Sterling all tied up and Raneem going through her origin. But uh, once, you know, once you get past those first couple of pages, you've got the fight with Misty and Miles against Scorpion. And uh, it's just Ziggler. I, I like Ziggler's take on the character on, on miles. And, uh, again, you know, Ricky's art is, uh, is, is stunning. It, it's a, uh, it is a really a couple double page spreads. I really, really like this issue. I, I, the second issue was great too, but, uh, you know, we're, we're ramping up now. And I, now that we know who this person is, what her connection is to miles, why she's got so much, anger and hate towards miles um it's it is it it's it does suck it, it's unfortunate that you know we've, we've all been in situations where things didn't go the way we wanted or the way we had hoped and other people were you know bigging us up thinking you know we had a shot or or they were rooting for us and you know you kind of get the rug pulled out from under you what knocked out of you and 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 you kind of have to um there, there are a couple ways you can go about fixing the situation and 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 putting your mind right and uh she took the path that uh, you kind of don't want people to see to see you don't want to see people take uh but um it's 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 another case where here's a here's a baddie with with a strong connection a strong tie to uh to the hero which you know sometimes you get stories where there's really no connection it's just random and 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 they just chose to latch onto the character and then you have those that are a little bit a little bit stronger the uh the the relationship is one that um you just you want to see the hero prevail but you also kind of feel some kind of way towards the uh towards the villain of the story because they're not necessarily they may not be evil maybe just a little misguided and and i'm curious to see where um where we go with this but um rabble does not pull any punches and, and i mean she's not she hasn't killed anybody it looks like she just wants to maybe kind of ruin miles's life i don't know if um she's going to go down the route of um revealing everything and 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 destroying um those close to him or if she's just trying to maybe um mess with miles but i i am uh i'm still happily on board with uh with this new volume of uh Miles Morales. Super good. Nice. I love to hear it. I mean, 
we've I feel like we've given Miles some some uh, some significant love in the last uh, year on the show, and, and yes. deservedly so. He's he's a great character. Yep. I know Vince can't wait to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right after Across the Spider Verse Part One. <laughs> yep. What else we got? Well, it's Jason's turn. It is. He hasn't heard much this week, though. No, well, I mean, I, I went hard on the on the anthology, but um, no, I what? will I will say that uh, that um, two things, but because anthology we're talking about being Kickstarter, uh, Terry Moore uh, is launch, just launched a Kickstarter. Oh yes. For a new art book that is uh, naughty. It's a naughty art book. I'm here for the Terry Moore naughty pictures. I'm here for it. Um, so <laughs> you and many many other Terry Moore fan. Yes, yes. It it, it uh, the campaign filled successfully in mere minutes, as you uh, might imagine. I'm stunned. Um, stunned. Stunned, right? But uh, but no. Just a quick shout out to Parker Girls. Uh, I read issues four and five this week. Um, it's great. I've said several times. Um, if not on the podcast, then in the slacks and in the YouTube videos that I do for the weekly releases. Uh, I think Parker Girls is, I mean, it's still early, but I think for me, it's the best thing he's written since uh, Strangers in Paradise proper. And um, I, I've enjoyed the vast majority of stuff Terry's ever written. Um, so I, I don't mean to cast shade like that statement could be taken as like shade. I'm not, I'm not trying to say the stuff he's done uh in recent years wasn't good but but for me this just i feel like terry's gone home you know he's this is a story set squarely i mean they're all all of his stories are kind of well they very much i mean they are in the same universe but like you know but but they're still very different i mean he's he said a horror book he said a sci-fi book he said you know uh but but this is is back to being uh the parker girls are um you know that was the group that kachu was a part of this Back then, they were a high-end. They were a group of high-end call girls that basically carried influence by sleeping with powerful men. Um, when 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 Darcy Parker was was running it, it was like a crime syndicate. They're they're not quite that anymore. Uh, Tambi is the leader these days. She is uh, Kachu's sister. Um, but but so so it's it they so they're really more of like a they've become much more uh, female empowerment. Like they are a bunch of badass. Women who curry influence now, but it's for their own volition. You know, they're not just like they're not serving them. They're not just purely sex workers. They're 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 really more like spies. And Kachu's pretty much been out, but but uh, but she gets pulled in because a person she knew from back in the day has now become a billionaire, a tech billionaire. He kills his wife, uh, who was also a Parker girl, and uh, and there has to be heads have to be rolled. How they need there needs to be you know you can't kill a Parker girl without there being repercussions. I, I I love all the characters. I I think the thing to remember here is that um, if you're a big fan of Strangers in Paradise, there were those who loved Strangers in Paradise despite the spy Parker girl stuff, and there were those who thought that added a really great layer to making Strangers in Paradise what it was. I am of the I am of the latter. I I loved the Parker girl spy espionage stuff. Um, if you were a person who just liked the romance stuff and thought that the spy stuff was a weird aside this isn't for you because this is this is terry fully embracing that so that's kind of the easy way to bifurcate if you should check this book out or not but uh 
but you know the dude draws beautiful women i think he's always he's one of the best at that and and this book is just full of different beautiful women being badasses in all you know whether it be detectives or forensic or you know computer hackers or whatever it's like make make for a great tv show it's been a lot of fun so far nice i don't think i know a bigger mark for terry Moore than you Mm-hmm. yeah i mean i definitely love him i mean i i yeah absolutely um when when i mean part of it is that um and, and i have to give credit where credit's due you know we've said this before we we probably all wouldn't be friends and be doing the show if it wasn't for cgs and their forums in particular um and the forums in their co- their podcast was really very formative for me in branching out of being a marvel zombie for 20 years you know because they would talk about these other books and and then the forums y'all be on the forums talking about them and they they seem so cool that i finally was like i need to try some non-marvel stuff and the rest is history and one of the books that i really tried because of their recommendation that that got me over the threshold and in becoming a much more holistic reader, which certainly is, I mean, now I hardly read any Marvel is, is, was, was strangers in paradise. And, uh, and, and I think a big, a lot of credit there goes not just to CGS in total, uh, cause they had Terry on quite a few times on their show to talk about the book. Um, but you know, you got to pour it out to, uh, to the late, uh, Jamie D cause he was, yeah. I mean, what, to your point, Vince, there was no, there was no bigger Terry Moore fan than, than Jamie D. He, he was, he was an incessant, uh, rep of, of, of Terry's work when he was, before he passed on. So, um, yeah, he, he, he definitely was, those guys were the gateway for me to, to fall in love with the stuff. And I certainly wasn't the first and I'm not the last. Nice. Yeah. I miss him. Um, we you didn't always him. that's right yeah. we we rarely agreed on books but i oh uh, yeah i i i respected his opinion and he, he was a good dude you know the thing i remember most about him as a podcaster is he's the first person that i realized had a a way of talking when he didn't like a book without being rude he would say uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes next. <laughs> yeah, and you know that was, and I, I, I remember realizing one time the affectation. I'm like, oh, that he doesn't like this book, but like I was like, oh, that's a clever way to to deal yeah. about it, and it made sense because they they were uh, for those that don't know, CGS was a at least in the Tay Day was a uh, it still exists, but now back in the Tay Day they they were a big ensemble show. Uh, would they probably have what six, seven, eight guys on most episodes? Yeah, and so inherently everyone would bring the love. And Jamie was never a person that wanted to shit on comics, which I think was 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 admirable. And so he had that affectation when he didn't feel right. a book, and and someone he would be like, "Oh yeah, I look forward to seeing where that goes." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yep, yep. All right, we moving on. Moving on. All right, sure. Bad idea, part two. Mm. All right, I'm going to be accused once again. I don't care. It's my cross to bear. Of. Uh, Writing the hyperbole bullet. But this book, Four Issues, hands down, one of the most memorable books I've ever read. Now, I didn't say it was one of the greatest books I've ever read. But in terms of generating a thing that lodged itself into the folds of my brain, this book is up there with the most memorable things I've read. 
And uh, Conceptual Continuity, Jason, was written by Joshua Dysart. He is a bad idea machine. Yes. Mm. Illustrated by Alberto Ponticelli. You remember that name? Alberto Ponticelli, right? He did... uh, he worked on Alesh Coates Zero at Image. He did the Unknown Soldier at Vertigo with uh, with Dice Art. Um, color art is by Matt Hollingsworth, and absolutely jaw droppingly exquisite covers by the great Louis La Rosa. The covers are just stunning, beyond measure. Even though to play into the name of the company, bad idea, Rico Renzi's. Um, logo type is absolutely indecipherable. If you didn't know... There's, oh, the, the death there's, metal look. Yeah, there's no way you could tell that this book was called Orc Island because it's just this spidery... It's bad. But I'm I'm kind of like... I like the fact that the logo is a big fuck you because... Well, didn't someone on the Slack say that uh, Rico was... Uh, told to make to it make yeah. it as bad it is okay. yeah but it is I mean, it's you really uh but it's it's brave it's bold <laughs> it's batman it's those it's a thing that like the, the 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 first chore of typography is to communicate to get a an idea across to be instantly recognizable and legible this is none of that <laughs> but it's metal okay uh and jason Get this. It's a fantasy genre, okay? But um, it's a heist tale nestled within the fantasy genre. Uh, did yeah, I say? I need this book. Just I'm going to be, before you go, I, I need this book because I did check it out after the guys were like, it, this is definitely <laughs> what I want for sure. Yes. Uh, it's called Orc Island. Uh, yes. I did say that. But, um, yes. but every caper needs what? A team. And Gotta a, get the team. And dude. a big chunk and they all of... Need, they didn't have specialties. They need to make sure all the specialties... Right, are exactly. A big chunk of Orc Island is getting the band together. Um, mm-hmm. The the main focus is a half-elf. He's he's yellow-skinned, named Saren Sun Sion. And he's a denizen of this really nasty place called Shit Alley. I mean, <laughs> if if you're... If the place where you live is called Shit Alley, yeah, uh, it, it's truly a dismal... A place as the picture painted by its namesake. Um, you got beings fighting and killing for scraps of food, dead bodies in the streets. No one wants to live in Shit Alley. Um, and Sun Sion dreams of more, of escaping the hellhole in which he resides. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, there's an event called the Festival of Floating Temples. Um, and these Temples are literally edifices that are propelled into the air. They float by sorcerers. Magic keeps these things aloft. And when the wizards who keep these buildings in the air burn out, they're driven mad by their sorceries. So they're put to death publicly at the Festival of the Floating Temples. Um, and at this uh, event, Sun Sion does what he does best, thieving, right? Um, and he gets himself into uh, a one-on-one with this creature called a drave. And uh, what a drave is, they're magically grown berserker beasts. 
their relentless savage killing machines. You point them at a target and they will not rest until they've killed and moved on to kill again. No one with half a brain willingly enters into a fight with a drave, yet Sun Sion did, which attracted the attention of somebody on the inside, somebody who recruits him to fight arena style for the enjoyment of the high patriarchs. And the ordeal, which I'll spoil this little tiny thing, Sun Sion wins, the ordeal serves as nothing more than to get him noticed by a scrapping young lady named Urgria. I'm probably butchering that, but I don't really care. Urgria. Um, so this girl needs a strong sword arm to accompany her to Orc Island to help pull off a job that can set everybody up for the rest of their lives. Here's the deal. Orc bones, especially skulls, are worth a lot of money. And in this reality, the currency is called Rue. Are you? So the plan is to to load up on Drave Berserkers, and they come in like fifty gallon drums. It's fucked up, um, and they're activate. Like you can activate them in 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 when the shit hits the fan, and they just immediately attack shit. And then you got to keep them busy because they're they're inclined to attack their controllers if they have nothing to do. Right. So um, here's the deal. They want to load up on Drave Berserkers to protect them, sail on over to Orc Island, grab all the skulls they can carry, come back, and live like royalty forever. It's pretty simple, right? Not so much, because the island is shrouded in a mist wall. There's a magical wall around Orc Island cast by the High Patriarchs that only a strong mag magician can pierce this veil surrounding it, right? So here's where Reaper Andun comes into the picture. This guy was scheduled to be among the, the, the crazy wizards that were sacrificed at the festival, but somehow or other, Ugria's got her clutches into him, and, and he's, he's got a hood on, and he's fucking crazy. He doesn't even look human half the time. Um, but here's the problem. Sun Sion has never left Shit Alley, right? The world beyond the the place, he's looking around and it's like they're 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 on the water. And the the world is just strange and wonderful to this to this kid. Um when he was back in Shit Alley, he was a relatively big fish in a cesspool. Like if somebody found food, he would enact attacks upon them. They would have to give him part of their food like he seemed to be a big deal but but now he's out in the world and he's nothing or, or is he because this is where the book takes a serious turn and becomes to something totally unexpected like it's you're on the end of the second issue going into the third and it's a heist caper uh, you know they're just going to go in and steal something come out but then it becomes something totally different. Like, I didn't see it coming. It was totally unexpected, mind-blowing. It reminded me a lot of the work of Steve Gerber. The The Ooh. ending is some serious, fucked-up 
stuff. Uh, it, like I said, it's a descent into unpredictability. If you think you know where the story's going halfway through the series, you're definitely wrong. I guarantee that you're wrong. Because it is just so out of... But it makes sense. Um, there's a lot of magic at play in this reality. It makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I don't want to say any more because um, I think one of the real joys of this series, uh, aside from the awesome characters, the great writing, beautiful art, uh, extremely detailed uh, in his laissez-faire way uh, by Ponticelli, the the magic of this book is watching it transform right before your eyes and not picking up on it until it actually becomes that that thing that it eventually becomes like you you just don't see it coming and it's like what the fuck am i reading it's crazy uh and i want you to read it because i i know ordered i already ordered it yeah it's just ridiculous found a bundle on ebay from a new york shop coming my Sweet. way yeah it's it's silly silly good um, like I said, I will not forget this ending anytime soon. Nice. Orc Island, four issues. Bad idea. Dysart, Ponticelli, Hollingsworth. Go get it. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm you need to get put- some of this bad idea sponsorship money. We, well, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I know put- they, do, they, they sponsor uh, off-panel. I mean, yeah. David Harper reads it. Reads it reads that from every, every episode. So, Well, I, I'm, I'm converted. So I told Dave, whenever a bad idea book comes in, save at least the first issue for me. Um, make sure I get the, the, the second two issues of um, They're All Terrible. But I'm guessing they're going on hiatus again because at the end of They're All, they're all Terrible, it says this will continue when bad idea returns. I don't know what that means. Yeah, they do like seasons. Right. So I'm guessing yeah. when the season starts – We'll get more. They're all terrible. But uh, Orc Island's completely in the can. Go get it. It is. I'm putting my thumbprint on the can of Dinty Moore because it is fantastic. There it is. There it is. There you go. Swizzle. Swizzle. What else do we have? It's been a glorious week for comics, yo. Jason, you read Harrower, number one. I did, as did you. Right, and that's why I'm asking you, did you like it? I did like it. I would say I liked it, though. Like, I would say like, not loved. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. In that, um, the, the the fact that, sacri- well, let's be, let's tell people what, it, what it's about. It, it's about this little sleepy town, Barlow, New York, that somehow summoned an avenger to protect this town and by avenger i mean a creepy ass dude in a cowl with a battle axe um known as the harrower and it seems that the harrower harrower needs sacrifices at some point and they've been sacrificing their children to this thing right you got that out of it correct Mm -hmm. yeah um, and but whenever the the harrower's mark is left, it's called the sinner's mark. The harrower appears and enacts something. So I mean, the chief of police is killed. Uh, I, the one thing I found really stunning about it is there were 
two characters that were pretty much uh, well-developed throughout the first issue. And I won't be that specific. One of them doesn't make it out alive. Like, yeah. In in extremely grisly fashion. Like, yep. unrepentant. It's just like, yep, you were one of the Scooby gang, and now you're dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a four-issue limited series from Broome. It moved pretty fast, though. Yeah, uh, written by Justin Jordan, who we're talking a lot about Justin Jordan lately because we we just, uh, of course, he he is the uh, he is he is Mister John Amore's uh, partner uh, with uh, with uh, Urban Animal. Urban Animal. Um, right. So yeah, but uh, and Brom Revel, who I see, I when, oh, this yeah. book, when this book came out, I figured you'd like it no matter what because you loved Gorillas when it came out. Yes, mm-hmm. and and I think Revel's work is just beautiful. Yes, it, and it, I like Revel, but but I I I still um, you know I've gotten probably what uh, three four hundred Domino commissions, and his is one of the worst. But that is not, not in any a way a condemnation of his cartoon. His cartoon <laughs> right. in, in comics is great. Yeah, he is wonderful, um, but he doesn't overstay his welcome with the lines. Nope. I I love the immediacy of it. It, He makes it look easy, which is a a testament to the dude's skill because there's a lot going on here. But I like the design of the harrower a lot. I think this would make a very good Shudder movie, miniseries maybe. Uh, But it's stupid to say because it exists in comic form. It's great. It's great as it is. But should they decide to make it into Mm -hmm. something else, I think it would be very easy to do so. There's a lot, lot on which to chew. I was, uh, it, you, you have your elements, your classic slasher elements in here, where um, you know, group of kids subtly uh, get uh, whittled down. They even say "last girl" somewhere in this, don't they? They say the last girl, but so they're they're throwing the 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 slasher lingo around as well. Mm-hmm. I liked it a mm-hmm. lot. I thought it was really good. Yeah, like I said, I liked it. I, I I didn't I didn't come away thinking, damn. I mean, this like people have budgets, people have types of comics they like to read. I mean, I, if you're a, I would imagine if you tried this, you're a fan of horror comics. I mean, for me, this this first issue didn't pull me in like the stuff that 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 you know Tynan's been doing that type of thing. But but again, I mean, it's four issues, and I got enough out of the first issue where I'll, I'll keep I'll keep reading for sure. Yeah, um, the fact that this cost four bucks didn't tweak me at all i thought i got i definitely got my money's worth mm-hmm. yeah and, and uh i will say i don't know yeah it seems like there have been a lot of like pretty mid covers lately on comics i feel like like, like do you, i don't know if you noticed that like i feel like a lot of the comics that i'm seeing the last couple like the covers are just you, you go in there basic. with this one yeah yeah ah, i don't see it I don't see the it hot at all. Pink? I don't. I don't nah, understand the hot pink. I I like it because it's atypical. I think it's 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 yeah. it is way off the beaten path. Yeah. It's it, but yeah, just like the 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 block the block like the block font and just like the. It. Yeah. it seems very basic, but but again, I mean, not in any way indicative of the quality of the art that you see inside the book. So. You know what they say: agree to disagree. <laughs> well, you were you love her. That's that? your dog. That's your dog. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where he's been. I mean, I feel like it's been a minute. Well, he's been in this little New York town. Hmm. He finally made his escape, killing kids. He oh, he's the harrower. You never know. 
Interesting. Yeah, art becomes life, becomes art, becomes life. <laughs> it's muy interesante. It is. Speaking of art becoming life, tell us a bit about this gentleman that you work with that is co-creating a new book with Bill Watterson. John Cash. Yeah. Right. Tell, I mean, he, I don't he think doesn't on the earth teach, know who he is. Oh, my God. That's a sin. He doesn't teach during the um, uh, fall or spring semesters, but he does come in for the Get Your Masters with the Masters program in the, the summer for two weeks. Um, okay. He's, he's uh, you know, he his specialty is uh, caricature. He's phenomenal. He is just an amazing... Um, he latches on to a likeness and like Drucker, uh, he can manipulate it in a variety of ways to make it look totally, um, believable, uh, and not referenced. That's, mm-hmm. he's just a natural, he, he has, he has a, a facility for, um, capturing the essence of faces without over rendering. He's a wonderful talent, but I think he's a great illustrator as well. But that's that's his claim to fame. He's a caricaturist. I think that's limiting him. I think he's far more than that. But that's mm. how he made. That's where he's made his name as a caricaturist. But I didn't even know about it. He's been. I, I've been in this man's presence. He, they, they've said that the copy reads that he's been working on this for ten years. Yeah. I John said zero. <laughs> to me so he's just whatever this was news to me it's like finding out that you know your dog doesn't like the cheese it likes to kibble like why it's, why didn't you tell me <laughs> the analyst in me that like the, just the questions to start right like like how does he know bill like bill's a recluse like what why is why is this book the thing that bill's coming back with like yeah well, like, John, john's and, a firecracker like, yeah and like like is it is it Bill drawing some, John drawing some. Is it John mainly drawing? Bill right? Like, what is it? Like, well, like, it, there's yeah. so many things I want to know about this book. I, I think, mean, from what I've seen, I think that if you approach this as a Bill Watterson fan, specifically a, a Calvin and Hobbes fan, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Not which because, will be interesting because obviously the book is already on the bestseller list as soon right. as it's announced because. Everybody's clamoring for Bill Watterson work after all these years. And- right. Well, maybe I mean maybe his fans are resilient and and uh, accepting enough where they will take something outside. I mean, suffice of- to say, his fans are are older now. I mean, we're all you know, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, hopefully everyone's but, a little bit more grown up and can handle. You remember some when um, I told you this story? I don't know if it was on the air, but um, I was at John's house. And we were going through his flat files. And he's like, Vince, come here. I want to show you something. And he opens a drawer, and it was a giant Jack Davis piece. And oh, I'm, yeah. And I'm like, right oh, now. my God. He goes, what? He goes, it's it's okay. He goes, I'm really not not a huge Davis fan. And I'm like, oh my God. just stop. Just <laughs> stop. Stop talking right now. But no, he's he, – uh, John, um, he's a, a firecracker, but he has the skill – uh, to back up a lot of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Nice. I think he's wonderful. He's a great guy, too. Well, I mean, I, I from what I gather, because I was looking at his, like, he's been very successful in his, in his life. But, I mean, but this is going, I would imagine, to be his most, at least right. commercially successful thing of his career. I mean, and the I, thing that gets I, me about it is Marywood's going to use it. 
they're gonna they're gonna suck the shit out of it to promote their get your masters with the masters program. Well, should, shouldn't they? I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, but like, like, no, that's. I think it's fair. I think it's very fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have. Um, I don't want to get off the beaten path, but okay. um, Stephen Brower is no small name in in the right. art field. Yeah. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mort Weisinger book is the least of his accomplishments. I'm not mm-hmm. denigrating anything that he's ever worked on, but print magazine and all that. So yes, uh, they they do have just cause to exploit the fact that John Cash will have a number one bestseller on Amazon. Like that's great, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're gonna keep with the let's question Vince Vince B tonight. What I gotta hear because how t- perfect talk about uh, conceptual continuity. You're starting our duck day on the Patreon. Well, this week, the ducks are getting more publicity than they've had in a long, long time in the mainstream world because of reports that Disney is permanently banning reprints of two Don Rosa Scrooge McDuck stories, which um, I'm pretty sure will mean that the life and times of Scrooge McDuck that most of us have a copy of at this point, I would think uh, that version will no longer exist, at least in reprints. Uh, what, what, what do you, um, I mean, have you, what do you, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, I'm sure you think it's ridiculous cause we're all against censorship, but yeah, but I mean, but, but, but like I, do those stories in today's parlance, do you understand the, the, the idea of banning this story, I, like no, I don't, here's I, the know, deal. I don't have a strong view on it one way or the other, other yeah. than I'm just against censorship. I, I so just, I, I just think it's it's silly. Having read the entirety of Don Rose's Scrooge McDuck, there can't be anything in there that would, pun intended, ruffle feathers. But he, he, this is the way my mind works. When somebody put that link on the Slack and it said, "Oh, Disney." Disney uh, stands to ban two uh, Don Rosa Scrooge tales. I'm like, fuck you. I didn't even click on the link. I don't know which two they're banning. I don't care which two they're banning. The point is, one, it's ridiculous. Two, my man Don got paid for those stories. He has mm-hmm. probably made a, a nice amount of money from both of those tales. Knowing Don and his acerbic personality he probably does not give two shits that disney's uh banning those two stories i don't i'm just saying well, probably does to it if you did right okay good all right what did he say he said uh i i already see many people posting get well quick wishes in response to my announcement Oh, that, that, sorry, this, that was the opening of his post because I think related to him not being able to attend a con. Okay, here it goes. Um, as part of its ongoing um, 10 seconds after I posted I wouldn't be attending I guess some Vancouver event. I received an email from one of my many publishers. This will give you something else to discuss. As part of its ongoing commitment to diversity and inclusion, the Walt Disney Company is in the process of reviewing their library of stories. As a result of this, some stories that do not align with their values will no longer be published. This applies to two of your stories, The Richest Duck in the World and The Dream of a Lifetime. These stories will not be part of any reprints or new collections going forward. He then said, uh, Don Rosa says, I wonder what other duck stories are now banned. Maybe only mine, maybe not. But obviously all 12 chapters of my uh, L.O. dollar sign. I don't know what that means. Oh, Life of Scrooge. Oh, Life of Scrooge. Are now banned because they can't be published without the final chapter. I won't even comment on what this will mean to the collector market. So Yeah, so I'm guessing those Gladstone issues are probably going to go up in value as well. 
But uh, it's just that whenever a, a, a corporation that uh, their stock and trade is art, right, of some kind, whenever they start going back into the past and extracting and eliminating stuff that doesn't fit their current mindset, that's really not a good idea. It's, 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 it's an extremely bad idea because you teach by example, right? It, what's to stop them from prefacing both of those stories with the story you're about to read is, is a crucial chapter in the life and times of, of Scrooge McDuck, yeah. but it was written in this manner that is very much unlike the way we create or like to see our stories created these days. Like those stories were written 20, 30 plus years ago. That's exactly what they do now before episodes, uh, before things on Disney plus where you'll see, you know, this, this television program was, you know, they, they tried to preface it to let you know in context when this, when, when it was either originally aired or what, the stories are going to be about so they kind of let you and, and i think marvel's been doing it on online with their books too but it, it's one of those things where they're letting you know ahead of time hey don't take this as if you know we're writing this today this is from an era and and and, and to not to just completely go ahead and say we're no longer going to keep these in print it's it i it, it, in it, the disney has never treated their creators fairly or justly since day one. So the fact that Disney's doing this is really not a big surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, for many, many years, the names of the creators weren't even allowed on the works that they were selling. Nobody knew who Carl Barks was. He was the good duck artist, right? So the fact that they're shitting on Rosa, it's really not surprising. Um, and how about this? Leave it up to the parents if your kids have questions about a story, sit them down mm. and answer them to the best of your ability. Don't just not publish these these beautiful stories just because they don't fit in the the square peg that it is we're in right now. You know what I mean? I, I Here's my thing on this whole thing, which is, I mean, again, like hypocrisy abounds, so I'm not expecting it to matter that Disney's going to do Disney, but – Walt Disney, the man, as in like the company wouldn't exist without him and his name is still the company's name, was an unabashed, you cannot argue against it, racist. Hmm. He was without question racist, especially towards black people. Like there is no – there are volume volumes of both personal and professional evidence to make it clear. You can't you, – no one – you could be the biggest Disney mark ever and you can't say it wasn't true. So if – if if we're supposed to be willing to acknowledge that the man and his contributions to the world of entertainment and animation are able to be separated from his bigotry to the point where you know a, a multi hundred billion dollar company still carries the name, why then wouldn't something like this? Which I mean, you know, these these stories were like. I, I find them to be benignly offensive in modern parlance at, at, at worst. Um, like, I just don't understand it. The, the hypocrisy is crazy to me. Like, like, like then change the company. Like, don't call yourself Disney Corp anymore then. Right. Like if, right. if, if you're that, if, and you know, listen, we're all liberal and progressive people here that lean very like, so far be it for us to like be on the side of like 
you know, the, the anti-woke movement. But like in this case, I got to be like, this is crazy to me. Like, I don't I do not understand it. Like if you're that concerned about inclusion and equity, then change the name of your company because the man your company's named after was a racist and and died a racist. Like, so I don't. Well, yeah, like it just doesn't it just seems crazy to me. Like, like, I don't understand why that's okay and we're supposed to gloss over it. But then a, a story that had a depiction of a zombie and plays up to stereotypes and Haitian stereotypes is supposedly verboten. I don't, it's just so weird to me, but. Well, see, you approach it from a much more rational, logical way. Um, I'm, I'm just, the, the retrofitting the past into the present is never, ever, ever a good idea. It's just not going to work. It, 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 it's like trying to eliminate blackface in, 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 in entertainment. It happened. It was a thing. Right, but explain why it's not a good idea. Just don't eliminate it, because then mm-hmm, th- right. then you you can't teach by example. You can't show kids why it w- it's terribly insensitive. <laughs> well, okay, but now they're never going to know because it's yeah. they're trying to scrub it clean. They're trying to eradicate it from the 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 the, the human record, and that's just stupid. It's dumb. <laughs> Yeah, pretend it didn't happen. It's like getting a marriage annulled. Yeah, but you were married. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it did happen. It's, oh, I just the, the human organism is so weird. I, I I try not to get all fired up, but it's just so. There, uh, you know me and the YouTube love it. Okay, there's a trend now before YouTube videos that says this video contains unsavory topics like suicide or child abuse. Do you still want to watch it? It's a true crime channel. Yeah, I would expect those things to be in it. Like that's why I'm here for this kind of stuff. Like, do you need to warn me? Well, I can see if it's like this video contains strobing lights. If you're prone to seizures, GTFO. Like that makes sense to me because that could really hurt a person. But the themes in a true crime video have to be delineated before a person can watch it. That's just weird. I'm, I'm a grown-ass man. You don't need to... If, if I don't like the video or the topic of the video, I'll just escape. I'll just get out of it and watch something else. Like, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't see why people... Ha- things have to be flagged for the more sensitive... I, I just... I, I, I don't know. Well, to be I, to make sure, because I don't want to make people think you're contradictory. So, like, I think it makes it's perfectly fine if they want to, like, if they were to reprint the Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck in the future and have some intro page that says there's absolutely here that's dated. Yes. That's fine. Like, absolutely, I mean, that, that's probably appropriate. Like, right. I, don't, I don't think it, absolutely. But but I, well, I was trying to get at are we yeah. that much are are we that delicate of flowers where we can't accept the fact that things happened that were not. Um, the best case scenario: people were abused, people were killed, uh, skin colors were were were. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. yeah. That um, I I think that the best thing to do is to preface it with, "This is kind of weird by today's standards, but here's why." Also, the thing is, is I get frustrated sometimes with this idea that people don't have agency in their own lives like this exactly you know i mean there are things that if i see now that in another part of my life 
I was maybe entertained by now make me cringe. But that's just my own journey. And like, it's not anyone else's journey. And, and that's fine. Like, you know, like, like my dad and I loved, and I'm sure we weren't alone, like the Eddie Murphy delirious and raw specials, you know, like when they, when they were coming out, like we would quote them back and forth each other, you know, like, like nonstop. Cause they, and they were hilarious. They were, listen, they were, you know, and obviously Eddie Murphy's a black man, but like they were hugely, like they don't they didn't age well right because there's tons no. of like homophobic jokes and stuff and like 40 48 year old me if i watch if it came out now i'd be like ah this isn't cool like this isn't funny but like but i'm, I'm not gonna lie and say that like i mean the whole world thought those I mean, not the whole world but i mean a huge chunk of the world thought those specials were all-time great comedy specials. hell yeah they did yeah you know so it's like it's okay to like i don't like I don't think I should be embarrassed by saying that when those things came out, I thought they were ridiculously funny, Same. and I don't think it's it's it shouldn't be a condemnation of me as a person because I can then say also say that like but now I, I look at them and I think wow that you know like I'm I'm glad that we're 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 more aware of the implications of the things that they were that Eddie was joking about right like and it's like we've talked about this not maybe not on the podcast but 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 just as friends with the whole Chappelle thing right like. I, I I think Dave Chappelle is an all-time great comedian. I find him incredible. Like I think he's an incredibly funny, talented dude. And and, and again, if, if if full stop, if if someone listening to this still loves him as much as they ever have, like more power to you. Like that's your personal choice. For me, and I think Dap's in this boat. Like, I, but I like it, it's one thing to 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 make a joke or two. That's that's you know skirts the the barrier of, of whether what's appropriate but for me dave has taken it too far where he's sort of like thrown down the gauntlet and now intentionally is 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 you know transphobic and and and, and like to the point of being detrimental because he's like picking a fight and and again i'm only speaking for me personally i can't i don't find dave's comedy as funny as it is it once did as i once did I'm not again. I'm not condemning anyone who thinks otherwise, but I'm saying like for me, it has changed things. Like I just think we're we're unless you're like kids are a different story, but like as adults, dude, like we need to have agency in our own lives. Like we all have our own journeys. I think most of us should be capable of accepting that our viewpoints are subject to change and evolution and refinement and curation, and that's okay. Like life's a journey. It's okay to have opinions and then view them differently over time. Like sure. that's normal. Yeah. And too many people auger in and be like, well, I think this and I have to like, no, like you should wake up every day. we open to the idea that you might be wrong about things you thought in the past or that maybe you weren't wrong at the time, but like you've been presented with other life experiences. And so you view it differently. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And I think if more people were open to accepting like that their viewpoints can and should change like we'd all be better off you know like I don't yeah know. i i think we need to be very very wary of an entity whether it's a librarian or a, a college or a publishing house or a, a you know a, a gigantic corporation that stops you from reading something if it like to to, to stop publishing the life and times of Scrooge McDuck because of this chapter that's that's now missing, that's akin to burning a book, right? Yeah. The, the, these kids are never going to read it because it's not available to them. And, and, and it, yeah, maybe it would be in very high priced uh, surviving editions, but there's going to be a time like let's not just look at the present. You got to look at into the future. There's going to be a time when this 
this work will will slide out of public the public's consciousness and, and then it just it goes away and that's that's a crime that that's that's literally a crime um be just because of the say so of this corporation like no tell us why it's wrong or why you think it's wrong we could think about it and then move on to the next chapter because it it's a it's a brilliant work and it it, it needs to it needs to be lodged within the 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 human uh, uh, the annals of art like that's because it's it's just that good like I don't know it's just I, I just get so frustrated because who's... yeah I was thinking about da- the Dappy remember like the the Tropic Thunder thing like when yep. uh, a few years ago when when Ben Stiller like you know came out and said like well that movie we could never make that movie today and like. I understand completely where he's coming from. Like, I think Hollywood executives would never greenlight that movie now. When, but like, the idea that it couldn't be made is crazy to me. Like, like, right? I, like, I think if he means commercially, it wouldn't have been successful. I'm fine with it. But like, if he means like we wouldn't like we we like I, like where it gets it's art. Like, I know it's a commercial. Like, I'm not again. Like, I'm not saying it's you know this isn't like it's still but art. It's it's like it's still art, right? Like, it's it's. It was a bunch of really funny writers and actors doing a really funny movie, mm-hmm. and yes, he the character is in blackface. But like, did anyone watch that movie with him in blackface, thinking he was trying to play a black man? The whole point of the role was that he was a crazy actor desperate to stay relevant and win an Academy Award, yep. and so he wore blackface because he thought it would give his best chance. And he was so the whole idea was that the character was ridiculously tone deaf. Yeah. Like it was a parody by design. So why would a parody yeah. of that not be allowed? Because it was it wasn't like romanticizing right. like a white guy playing a, a person of color. It was it was like parodying the absurdity of it. So like that should always be allowed. Like right. like one of the easiest ways to teach people lessons culturally is through humor. Because it's it, mm-hmm. it disarms them. It it disarms your you don't put up your walls of like, well, this is my belief. Like it, it, you can be disarmed by it. Like, so I, it's just like, I think it's a slippery, slippery slope, man. It really is. That movie is the perfect example of understanding context and not judging a book by its cover. Cause when I, when I told Renee that one of her favorite actors was going to portray a black person she was like oh fuck no it's like why would i want to see that but then we see the movie and we've watched it a couple of times over the years it's not something that you know we just so and she cracks up and i still crack up i i i enjoy that movie immensely maybe more than i should but i i do like the movie i understand exactly where they're coming from it's making fun of hollywood it's making fun of actors making fun of the whole concept of everything and, and it's great but I I I do get where it's it's like what Seinfeld saw recently about a couple of years ago about um you know comedians uh, touring college campuses and how you know you have to be careful about what you say because is someone's going to be it doesn't take much for somebody whether they're offended themselves or they feel like they need to be offended on behalf of others it it's people just nobody just listens or just lives in the moment and 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 appreciates or just just watches just consumes the art that they're 
surrounded by they they have to they feel like they, they have to either react they have to say something about it they have to they, they have to share their opinion and often more often than not it blows it completely out of proportion and and it just and that's why i i, I get where still would say we can't make that today because as soon as something like that would be announced there would be just the the, the torches and pitchforks there would be the 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 the, the, the canceling of of everybody involved in it and it's it, it, it is extremely sad that it has gotten to this point well, yeah, what, that what, was my point exactly. It's like it's like you're right. I mean, and he's right. I mean, it, like be, people would cancel it and burn it to the ground before they even before it even existed. Like yeah. they would just hear the pitch and be like, "Oh no, we can't allow this." But like, if you could ignore all that and then just watch the movie, I would hope most people that aren't ludicrously like like you know culturally inept could realize it's a fucking parody. Like it's right. it's on the side of good in the sense that like it's not. It is it is belittling that as a ridiculous way of to exist. It is not like embracing it, saying like, "Oh, this is, it, this is." Yeah, but it is part exploitation too. It is there. There's there's a, a component of uh, Downey Jr.'s performance that is that parody, but there's also it's it's part exploitation too. That's why but it's it, funny. It's exploitation because it is a white guy trying to right. play yeah. a black exploitation character like yes. again like yeah. like literally from well, a black exploitation movie I, I, right like, i think one of the things that it, the, the, these situations do uh, a byproduct of them is that it makes people gun it makes creators gun shy so in sure. in that sense what what, you're, what it does it it's it stifles creativity it limits what you can it, your expression like oh, i can't do that i'll get eviscerated if i do that so so you just strike all of those creative thoughts from the record and yeah. move into another direction you've just destroyed something that that yeah, never my, my, like getting back to the Chappelle things i know we've had deep discussions about this like my view is pretty like i want to be clear like I think Dave Chappelle should be able to make jokes about whatever he wants to make jokes about. And then where I get back to the agencies and then it's up to me and everyone else to decide if we continue to want to support him. That like, that's a, like, like I don't think he should not be allowed to make jokes about anything right. he wants. No to one should about. not be allowed it, to make a joke. No, no. Right. But I'm saying like, there are a lot of people like, well, he should be like, no, no, no. As, as long as someone wants to pay Dave Chappelle millions of dollars to make comedy specials and enough people watch them to justify the making of them. More power to you. It is up to me and everyone else to decide if it gets to a point where we no longer want to give him our eyeballs and thus allow him to make that kind of living making those jokes. Right, right. That's what I'm saying about agency. Like, I can't control what anyone else finds funny, what everyone else is offended by. I can just control what I do and, and, and like that. But, but like, I would hope that the average person isn't a complete, like, like, absolute, like, unit that they could have the ability <laughs> to like evolve their own worldviews you know unit i mean you're an asshole you're a unit well i think one of the things we've always all been lying about and really most people listen to this podcast probably are lying about is like censorship is like i'm not saying there are no cases where censorship is warranted let me be clear like i'm not like i'm not and i know like of the three of us vince you're there because of the art like you're like i know you you're more like what it is what like everything should be able to exist exactly I, mean, I, I no i know i i'm not quite there like i think there are things that i understand and think are for the greater good shouldn't be allowed to exist but 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 generally speaking i think like i don't think something shouldn't exist because it might offend someone right. in fact i would argue that a lot of the greatest works not just comedy like the greatest books the greatest plays the greatest films 
are offensive by design. Like they're right. because offending people or risking offending people gets people thinking about issues that are important. Right. And Stan- uh, Stanley Kubrick did make Clockwork Orange to to make people happy. Right. Right. He made made it to make them think. But right. I'm I'm just like being a. a Bill but Burr. I can't believe we're talking about this in the context of fucking Scrooge McDuck. That's the that's the sad part. Right? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's the sad part. I'm not even going to move on. I'm just going to bring it on home. But I'm glad. I'm thankful for you for bringing that up because that was uh, it was uh, it wasn't fun. It was excruciatingly painful to think what's coming down the pike next. But um, it, it we needed to to just touch upon it because it hey, was before a- you bring it home. All right. The people need to know because this is a this is an Aspen's beat episode. Oh my god! No, it's not, dude. The dude, the it's people just... need to know how you're feeling right now, knowing that all these years of us making fun of you about UFOs being ridiculous, <laughs> like, <laughs> you have now had the president of the United States effectively acknowledge that that UFOs are buzzing around this country. Like, how do you feel about that? <sighs> where you Where you been? Right. <laughs> where you been? I have to be honest with you. I don't know how you because I didn't ask you yet, but like I was gobsmacked that the Biden talk went the way it went. Like I thought he was going to say, "Yeah, these fucking Chinese balloons were shooting down," and he's like, "These are not Chinese balloons." It's a very important step. Um, And he's like, "I," he's like, "They're," and like he did what every sci-fi story has ever done when they're trying to explain fucking UFOs. He's like, "Well, they're either corporate or government." tech that's like experimental i'm like wait what i'm like oh my god i'm like you're literally telling us that like ufos exist like i i I never thought i'd be alive to see the day like what is going on it's a very important step and it's important in a sense that um it it takes they've been doing this since 2017 2016 i think with the tic tac uh, uh video it takes it out of the realm of ridiculousness because for for Ever, the subject has been scorn-worthy. You you mention um, UFOs, and you're just like so. You know, you're wearing a tinfoil hat, and and you're a woo-woo, and and uh, you're not mentally sound. Now that I mean, in in current human continuity, that is not a factor anymore. That's the important thing. About well, it. whether I'm or not Biden is a senile. Uh, but no, nah, whatever. Just, but but I'm I'll, with you. That I I did. I, I mean, I genuinely, in my heart of hearts, did not expect that that press conference to go that way. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, am I am I am I living in Independence Day right now? Like, is that what's happening? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, it's we live in very interesting times, you know. So. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so hey, everybody, if you would like to dive into the interesting times full. Force go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics because you can become a member of the dedicated Slack channel where we talk about everything we talked about tonight and a whole lot more each and every day, plus audio, video, downloads, polls. You get to weigh in on the book of the month, all that stuff. Patreon.com 11 o'clock comics. Just check it out in your travels. Here's where Jason gets a, a big old stiffy. Mm. I want no, not really. I want you to pick up Masters of the Universe, Masterverse number one, because they didn't want to call it Masters of the Universe Universe, um, written by Tim Seeley. 
boggles my mind that Tim Seeley would work on a Masters of the Universe book. Um, art by Kelly Jones, Sergio Arogonez, Eddie Nunez, with color art by Brennan Wagner, we know him, and Rico Renzi. And of course, it's published by Dark Horse. What's the premise of this book, this new Masters of the Universe book? Well, it's an anthology. It's awesome, and the premise is beautifully simple. Eternia is the center of all the universes. And Zodak doesn't really have a whole lot of confidence in Prince Adam. He's like, uh, he doesn't think he's going to be a, a worthy or a successful vessel for the power of He-Man. So the sorceress fires up the nexus of all realities. I didn't see the man thing, but I'm sure he's there. And shows him that across the multiverse, in many incarnations, Prince Adam does indeed have the stuff to, to carry the mantle of, of uh, He-Man. So what we see is, we see an Eternia that is uh, bathed in light and dark. It's bisected. And with Castle Grayskull on the dark side. And there's a neat and very unexpected twist, which is perfectly placed after a page turn. It's awesome. They they knew what they were doing, and they, they, they put the stinger on a left-hand side page. Like, that is amazing. Um, and you also get to see Kelly Jones draw Skeletor, uh, Batros, Webstore, uh, Scareglow. I had to text um, our boy Tony, and I'm like, tell your boo, Tim. Ask him how much am I supposed to pay for a Batros uh, Masters of the Universe classic figure because I don't have it and this book reminded me that I need a Batros figure um, why does my sounds keep making sounds here what is you, what don't, it, you don't, 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 don't nobody needs no, keep, keep talking alright right. so um, Seeley just cost this me money first episode. Because I, well I'm just thinking maybe I'm fucked up with the audio but anyway well, um, but the the Sergio piece is uh, Sealy does due diligence. Like it's Sergio, you don't expect it to be. <laughs> well, it's very tongue in cheek and it's very silly. Uh, it's a riot, actually. It was awesome seeing Sergio cast the Masters of the Universe in his image, yeah, but the premise is Tila. Warrior Goddess conjures a bunch of classic vehicles for He-Man to defeat Skeletor. And she she brings up the Talon Fighter and the Attack Track and the Wind Raider and another one that'll make you laugh out loud. And Skeletor just easily destroys them. Just, just destroys them all. Uh, we get to see Ster Sergio draw Stratos. Uh, plus, we get to see Skeletor tell Eternia to suck a fart. Where else are you going to see Skeletor say suck a fart in a Sergio Masters of the Universe story? I, um, uh, well, yeah. I'm kind of surprised Kevin Smith didn't do that on the Netflix cartoon. That's a really good cartoon. I don't care. It is. I don't, I don't like those guys that claim that Kevin Smith destroyed their childhood. That no, show is very good. Who cares if it That's focuses it. on Tila? She she was overshadowed in the past. She should yes. have focus. Whatever. Um, I, I thought Masters of the Universe Masterverse was awesome. And I texted Tony to tell him to give 
Tim a big old hug because I think he did a wonderful job on this issue. Published by Dark Horse, go get it. I thought it was great. I am I'm I'm I am so glad you dug it. I, I remember I shared the um the Dark Horse preview a week or so ago. Um I knew you knew about it. I just didn't know if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, no, I didn't want to look like at the digital that, and that's right. cool. I, I I appreciate that. I, I I'm right with you there. Um but I flipped through it just because I knew you were gonna get it and I wanted to at least be aware of what you might be talking about. And I was happy to see that the shop yesterday had a couple of copies on the stand. So um hopefully uh people will pick that up and, and it's nice that uh because it's weird. It, it it's it's not weird, but it is it's one of those things where it's just like of all the it, it's like when uh Marvel did Strange Tales with all the indie artists and, yeah. and everybody was just it, like, Holy crap, like we're getting we're getting Sergio drawing He Man. Right. And it reminds me of um Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror, where they would bring in the indie artists and work on this you mm-hmm. know, The Simpsons. That's what this feels like. It it's the first issue of a miniseries where I wished that it was an ongoing. If every issue follows the form factor and and the, the highs hit by this first issue, this should be a damn ongoing. I would love to see uh Matt Wagner draw a a, a mm-hmm. Masters of the Right? Or <laughs> that would be great. Because, you know, I, not all I of make, us are fans, I, but... I make it the collection. Yeah. We, As well. we see more more, more of the creative teams come out, more of the artists come out, maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll treat myself. Yeah, it's good. Treat yourself. It's real good. I am, I am, I'm glad you dig it. Two things. Um, maybe, well, the second because of something else. But uh, first, In Your Travels, new first issue... Um, continuing uh milestones 30th anniversary there the the second seasons have have started uh a week or so ago um the new static book came out but yesterday icon versus hardware with nice little worlds collide act one on the top of the cover and and i see worlds collide and i think of one thing uh it's just nice to see dc bringing that little um title back but this first issue i'm not gonna get into too much it, it picks up after the uh the first series of icon and rocket and hardware um raquel rocket is uh is in switzerland at uh at a boarding school uh because icon augustus wants to um you know, sees great things for her and and knows that she can be um a force to be reckoned with when she's older, possibly in politics. So he wants her to get the uh, the best education that she can get. Um, and and she's not necessarily a fish out of water. She's not the only person of color in this school. There are a couple. Um, but she's also uh, kind of sticking up for some of the other students, the other girls who, uh, who are being basically bullied by the mean girls. Uh, that's her subplot. While Icon is um, Icon is here, he shows up on a couple pages here and there, but it's mostly hardware. Uh, where he um, he well finds a time machine, and uh, it, it's unlike the original milestone from from the '90s. There were some slight changes with with, with this relaunch where Alva. Edwin Alva of Alva Industries, he, he's responsible for the Big Bang. And um, and Curtis, Curtis Metcalf, who's also hardware, he's blamed for it, basically framed because of his experiments, his 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 work product, 
working for Alva. Um, Alva's blaming Curtis for 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 the Big Bang because basically the, this was supposed to be gas that uh, that the police were going to use basically to, a, a, a less harmful way to subdue suspects and perps and uh, it actually wasn't like that at all and 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 Curtis knew this Alva didn't care Alva causes the Big Bang um, so Curtis finds a time machine and is uh, goes back to first he decides to go back to um, see when his father left and 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 how his parents broke up uh, and then he goes back to or jumps forward back from his back from our present to um, stop the Big Bang from happening and and I'm going to just leave it there so Dennis Cohen fantastic on the art it's it's a uh, th- there's a couple of artists on the book mostly uh, Dennis with um, Yasmin Flores Montanez inks by John Floyd uh, and Yasmin and uh, John Stanishki who inks Dennis from time to time colored by Chris Sotomayor um, I like this first issue a lot because I know Vince loves time travel but the uh, the whole um, <laughs> seeing 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 icon versus rocket it, it's I'm, I'm not always a big fan of you know the heroes fighting hardware is kind of on the um he's um icon is basically the milestone version of superman hardware is is kind of a an iron man with attitude he's he's uh I, i'm not going to use the angry black man cliche but he definitely has a chip on his shoulder and um it's it comes across it's 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 a great character and and i i'm really looking forward to uh where this this fight leads us um the other thing i want to just briefly mention because i read the, the most recent two issues of uh, of this series and, and i'm i'm only mentioning it because when we're done tonight and after i take onyx outside real quick if she has to go um i'm then going to sit my ass down downstairs and watch the first episode of the third season of Star Trek Picard. Uh, so the Star Trek ongoing from IDW by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing art by, um, Ramon, uh, Rasanis and Joe Isma on the third issue and Oleg, uh, Chudikov on the fourth issue. They're still, godlike beings are still being, um, destroyed the third issue. We have a uh, focus on Q playing his games, uh, and the science officer Talir. I don't want to say there's something sinister going on, but he may not be, um, may not be what he appears. So I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going with, uh, with that, um, idea with the character. The fourth issue, a um, little bit more focus on the crew, uh, and there's also the return of uh, of Kalis. And it, it's just this book is just a lot of fun with Colin and and Jackson just taking. Um, and I just realized now that these two writers are also share the names of of, of two of Jason's kids, 
but uh, respect, right? Uh, but they, um, but I, the, the fact that they're just pulling. I mean, you've got you've got Lieutenant Tom Paris as your pilot. Of course, he's from Voyager. You've got Montgomery Scott. Last seen on an episode of The Next Generation, he's he's your chief engineer. You've got Beverly Crusher. You've got you've got Worf. So I mean, you've you've got a little bit, and you've got some new characters just for the series. But I I, I appreciate that they're they're taking a little bit from everything that that, that came before, as far as the uh, the TV shows or the movies, and um, I they're not kind of beholden to like what DC was doing when, when Star Trek was on the air where they kind of just had to live in whatever parameters were going on with the show at the time or, or Marvel with the Star Wars comics back in the in the 80s where, you know, whatever was happening in between movies, then that's what they were able to do. These guys can kind of just go off and based on whatever happened after Deep Space Nine and Voyager and kind of write their own thing with these characters. And, and, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to see how how things play off. I'm, I'm curious to see where they're going to go after this whole, um, God like creatures being destroyed story plays out. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun so far. My only nitpick really would just be, um, I'd like to see some more consistency on the art. We've got, uh, the fourth issue is a little bit more complimentary between the two, between, um, Ramon and Oleg, but, uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing Ramon maybe, take on a whole issue himself again but other than that um really just fun seeing some of these characters again many who a few i thought i'd never see again on um on the page as far as new uh stories but uh but yeah in your travels like on versus hardware and star trek from idw nice nice well, and what's probably going to end up being me sounding like a broken record until it's over, uh, my inner travels is this week's uh, anecdote of the Sins of Sinister event, and that is Nightcrawlers number one of three, written by Cy Spurrier, with art by Paco Medina, once again. Uh, this is an absolute blast, I will say. Um more more so even than than the first two issues of this event if you are not like fully steeped in what's been going on with the x-men and sinister for the last few years and in particular if you haven't been reading legion of x which i assume a lot more people are not reading legion of x than are not reading like x-men proper or immortal x-men uh, you're going to be a bit lost here because it assumes you are fully conscious of everything that's gone on and all the characters. Uh, but that said, if uh, if you're like me and many other X fans and that you, you have been reading it, uh, oh man, this is great. And my dudes, so the conceit here, as I've mentioned, is like, this is, this. so this issue, like, um, like, like, uh, you know, all the firsts of these three issue miniseries are 10 years in the future where Sinister's taken over. But uh, the conceit here is uh, Sinister's got this group called the Legion of Night, which is basically a ton of Nightcrawler uh, mutant hybrids. So, like, it's Nightcrawler plus somebody else. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun in that regard. But but I figured we'd get, like, we knew from the, the solicits that the leader of the team is uh, is Wagnerine, you know, which is Nightcrawler Wolverine. <laughs> but, uh, but, dude, anti-fortune my girl it's domino nightcrawler hybrid 
Oh, I feel blessed. Bless up. Bless up that I got a domino. Heart. Wait a minute. I have a, a question. Legion of Night. Yeah. There's a Gerber Silvestri book. Yeah, I'm sure it's. I'm sure that it's. Like, I'm sure it's an homage to that prior name, but. Interesting. Yeah, but um, but a fucking Domino Nightcrawler hybrid named Anti Fortune. I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. Um, but uh, there's a there's a there's a Spider Man, a Spiderman Nightcrawler Spider-Man. hybrid named Wallcrawler. Uh, there's a bunch of them. There's a ton of them. But uh, point being, another really solid issue of this. Um, but again, it does presume you read Legion of X. Um, because the big reveal in this issue is um we find out who the fourth and final sinister is because recall sinister is one of four clones which is coincides with the his forehead symbol being um part of a deck of cards so you've got the classic og everyone knows mr sinister with the diamond on his forehead you've got dr stasis who we've known for uh much of the hickman run he's the one of the heads of orcus the anti-mutant group um he is a Mr. Sinister clone, which we've known for a while. Um, he's got the club on his forehead. Um, as I talked about last week, we meet Orbis Stellaris and find out he is is the third uh, clone with the spade on his uh, head inside of, of the orb, the gold tech orb. And then we find out who the fourth clone is this week uh, with a heart on their head. Yeah. I'll leave it, I'll leave it un, un, undisclosed, but I will say that... Um, it's not a surprise. Like if if you if you've been reading the books, I would I would hope that you your first guess would have been this character is the fourth sinister. But all the cards are on the table now. Uh, pun intended. We now know who all four sinisters are. They're all machinating in this world for power and control, and they all have their own abilities and allies and enemies and uh, and abilities. It's a blast. I'm just having a blast with this. I think it's great. And you know what? As we said last week, Vince, Paco Medina's killing it. He looks For phenomenal in this issue. Yeah. Again, like, like we need Paco Medina back in comics. I don't know where the hell he's been, but we need him back doing comics on a regular basis. He's warming up for this. Mayhap. Looks great. Anti-fortune, y'all. Yeah, you got to stop <laughs> talking about this because you keep spoiling it for me. What do you mean? You know, how do I spoil it? Because when you say, oh, shit, this is here, and I go open the issue, and I'm like, fuck, now it's all spoiled for me. I didn't tell you who the, who the reveal is. Yeah, but I saw it. What do you mean you saw <laughs> it? What is that? What are... I just saw it. I just went through the issue and I just saw it. Well, well I, didn't, I didn't spoil that. You would have no, seen it. No, like, but in in putting the, the, the images into the gallery, I have to take something. And okay. I was... Well, that, 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 that's a you problem. That, that, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. All right, Thank then, you, Dad. Then I, like, like, if you're going to page through the book anyway, then I'm not spoiling it for you. You're paging through the book. Like, I, I don't am. Think. Yeah, it's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Did you not think that was who the Sinister oh, was? Oh, pretty much, yeah. 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 It's, not, it's, not, it's not a real surprise. Right. So, there you go. It is cute, though, hearing, hearing Vince of all people kind of stressing about spoilers. I know. Okay, it's right? adorable. Jesus. It's super adorable. What is the world coming to? Seriously. I don't know what the fuck you're both talking about. No, man. Plus a whole mess more. <laughs> we, we love you guys so much. 15 years, Jesus. I Most know. people will stay married for 15 years. Seriously. Seriously. I've been doing this longer than people have a bid. For reals. She said, I have to sleep in the wet spot all the time. But whatever. Hey, everybody, come back next time. But in the meantime, yes. <laughs> but in the meantime, 
Go buy some comics, eat some good food, hug your loved ones, kiss your pets, and say goodnight. Ah, whatever. Goodnight. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, 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 wait. No, I'm what not restarting it. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's just, I'm just buying, I'm just treading water. Ooh, that's yeah. disgusting. David, scold you. How dare you? Good night. It's all moot. I would love to go to Seoul. Yeah, you seem to be about that life. Oh my god, that food looks delicious. All of it. Give me it all. Mm, yeah, I'm a big fan whatever. of Korean food. I think I told you one of our uh, my besties' moms is Korean, and she was one of those moms that like first we always hung out at his house after school. Cause he had like the cool house with all the video games and the nice the nice crib, and the nice lit den. But she was one of those moms that like. She'd be like, "Are you hungry?" And you'd be like, "No, no, I'm really, I'm not hungry at all." And then like she'd cook you a giant meal anyway. God she, damn, I know. And so, uh, pretty much like two or three times a week in high school, we would eat. She would have, she would make burgers and egg rolls, like like nonstop. Like like we'd be like, "Nah, we're good." Like I got, I got to eat dinner at home in like an hour. She's like, "No, no, here, have these." And she'd have plates of burgers and, and homemade. I would uh, let her ride around on my back. She that woman's uh, she feet was, would never touch the ground. Shout out to Mrs. Jenkins, Sony Jenkins, still yeah. uh, still still doing her thing. But um, she the egg rolls had had homemade kimchi in them. Stop. And uh, she would make these she had these giant clay pots, you know, where you make the kimchi, and she would make the kimchi and she would bury the pot in their backyard uh-huh. to ferment. And one time we were playing, we were throwing the old pigskin around in the backyard. And my boy Jenkins. Football. Yeah, my boy Jenkins, his first son, uh, went back to catch pass, and he trips and falls, and he puts his foot right in the freshly buried kimchi pot, and his leg was all covered in, in nasty kimchi. But nevertheless, uh, presumably she didn't serve us that kimchi, but but uh, she hooked up the kimchi, man. It was, did she? She might have. I, hey, listen, I, I wouldn't know either way. It was yeah, it was and delicious. you probably wouldn't even care. Nah, man. Yeah. We're out of here. Korean food is legit. Tell them how much you love them. Oh my God! Why is it so Ninety-one percent of you listening to this show love you a lot. So stupid. You know what? You're so that stupid. Checks out. I, that ha- you're such a goof. Ninety-one. Like, because I can't unanimously love all of you. No, that's that's unrealistic. Physically it's wrong. not unrealistic. It's. No, it's, it's it's not. You don't even I know these people. Listen, Just tell them you love them and they'll... Oh, my pres- God. No, because that presumes that 100% of people listening like me. I'm sure that's not the case. Why do you have to love there, them back? Because they love you. Percent, there's a percentage of people listening to the show that tolerate or dislike at least one of the three of us. But I'm they sure. Like the other two enough. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I'm sure there's a shit ton of people that don't like me. I don't really care. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love them the, regardless the because of I'm people that dislike you is is much smaller than the that's circle not that people true. dislike that, but, sh- but 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 there's a circle. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not you annoying. No, exactly, because I am, but I don't care because I came here to talk about comics and by gum, that's what I'm going to do. Dag nabbit, dag nabbit, we're out of here, huh? My God, <laughs> we're out. Love you. That's it for that one. <laughs>